Morning, Isla. Morning, Alexander. Great to see you today. Um, I wanted to start off with a question that really showcases what we do here at Ennis. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, we're out there a lot and things like that, but it would be great to hear from you as the CEO what we actually do and in your mind okay. how we do it. I wanted to start with a question of why you've shown me up sartorically. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to dress more casually, Alex. Um, okay, so what Ennis does, so we started um, life as a mortgage broker and we're known as a mortgage broker. And what that means is people come to us um, and they say, this is what I want to do and I need to borrow some money against property. And we then go to hundreds of banks and hundreds of sources to find the best mortgage solution for them. And that's what we did from when we started at the heart of the, the financial crisis through to around 2016, 2017, okay? Mm. At that point, our client bank um, was maturing. It was um, being built in a different way. And our client bank now is international, wealthy, entrepreneurial people from all over the world. Mm. And the requests that we were getting to raise money um, went beyond, I need a mortgage against my home. Um, so we've set about building a financial structure, an infrastructure, if you like, that can um, solve the finance requirements of that type of client across an international sphere, regardless of the asset class that they're looking at. So what that means is um, any asset class anywhere in the world, for any reason, we can help that individual borrow money. Um, so mortgages is the main one we've talked about. Um, it went on to real estate finance, which is commercial property, buying real estate, developing real estate, holding it for investment purposes. Um, we've been looking at securities finance for a long period, which is loans against marketable securities, so stocks and shares and positions in listed companies. Um, we also look at corporate finance, which is raising money within a business. So um, trade finance, capital raising, equity, and so on. And then it tails off into all the other types of examples. So uh, there's some crypto lending in there. There's some uh, luxury assets. There's bridging finance, which is our um, kind of catch-all for problem situations. So I think we're now at a position where we are probably the only company on an international scale acting on behalf of the borrower that can look across all circumstances internationally and come up with the best solution for the yeah. borrower. Yeah. Okay, that was I, a big answer straight up. No, huge us. answer. And yeah. in, in that vein, and also uh, a lot of what we do is highly technical. Mm. So are we able to give our viewers, listeners, an example of this in real life that you've come across? Yeah, I think, look, technical is... Um, what we do is technical um, and it's really unusual for one of our customers to have the same level of understanding as we do. Mm. So um, just because someone is very wealthy or they've built a big company or they've inherited money or won the lottery or um, have performed exceptionally well through sports and media, they don't have the understanding um, or the confidence sometimes yeah. to put together the finance solution that they yeah. need, which means they often end up using cash or kind of bit part solutions here and there, not looking at everything holistically. So an example is um, this week I was called by the CEO of a UK listed company and it's a phenomenal company. Mm. Um, huge market cap, international locations, significant growth, mm. private equity backing. And the CEO called me and he said, look, I've got this property and I want to 
buy this property and I want to do this um, and I've got these assets and I've got these holdings and so on, what do I do? How do I make this transition from mm. all in cash and all my assets to starting to use finance in a more um, progressive or useful way? Yeah. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Absolutely, and I, I think that brings us on really nicely to a lot of people, I think, consider high net worth and debt two words that don't go together. Um, however, you know, we've seen a huge demand for it and it being a hugely interesting and useful instrument for these sort of individuals. Mm. Would you be able to expand on that? So um, the common perception is a wealthy person wants to buy a house and they've got a bank account full of cash, so they take the cash out of their bank and buy the property. Um, and many people do do that, but there's more efficient ways of doing it. Using leverage by way of a mortgage or creating liquidity against other assets and buying the property that way has significant mm. advantages. Taxation, um, taking money out of a business to buy a property incurs income tax or dividend tax or or other kind of personal income taxes. Moving country from overseas into the UK, mm. um, where if the ind individual made the money overseas but is a UK taxpayer, that might incur a remittance tax. Mm. Um, holding a property without debt um, creates an environment of inheritance tax. So when the owner passes away, there will be a big tax to his or her beneficiaries. Um, or if it's an investment property, when you buy the property, make a profit, and then sell it, that will incur a corporation tax. Now, of course, all of these things need to be looked at properly by a tax advisor, but the main advice is use debt to limit your exposure to tax. So that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Um, another approach is, is, is our kind of phrasing of staying liquid. Mm. Um, when you buy a property with cash, you take all of your money and turn it into a building um, which is illiquid. Mm. Um, it takes time to sell. You can't immediately turn it into cash. Mm. Um, so your liquidity is then tied up in a business. Mm. Um, so, oh, sorry, tied up in a building. So if you want to do something, i.e. there's a unexpected tax bill or your grandchildren want a property and you want to help them or you want to mm. buy a holiday home or you see an investment that you'd like to make, mm. it's not easy to turn the building into money to respond yeah, sure. to that. So sure. we like to advise customers to stay as liquid as possible mm. so that they've got the, the um, liquidity to respond to opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah. And debt isn't particularly expensive. No. Um, we're arranging mortgages now secured against UK prime real estate mm. from 1%, from one and a quarter, from one and a half. Um, securities finance, again, Lombard loans and so on are 1%, one and a half percent and upwards. Yeah. Um, and debt isn't as expensive as no. people think. Yeah, I mean, you what know, people do think, sorry to wave my finger, no, is that it's difficult to arrange. Yeah. Um, so again, going back to the example the, the guy I was talking about earlier, um, when you want to borrow money, it's a process, yeah. okay? So you need to go into a bank and you need to show them all of your stuff, mm. get the crown jewels out and show it to them on yeah. the table and then they have to judge you. And then they have to make a, a decision of whether they're going to lend money to mm. you. And that's an arduous and um, annoying and irritating yeah. process. Yeah. So um, people tend to borrow cash. 
No, absolutely. What you've just said, Isla, showcases the technical level of skill that we have to have to do what we do and your huge depth of knowledge. Um, but for some of the people who maybe don't understand that, is there an example of a more emotive human uh, thing that we've done for someone's every other everyday life yeah, that okay. we can apply that? Yes, I think relating this to a real life example is that one of buying a property um, to allow your children to get into the best school yeah. in the area. And, you know, at the moment we're at winter time and, and people are already starting to think about mm. that for the kind of next term coming up. So what happens, um, I've got two children, they go to school in Hampstead, and um, in each of those classes there's 30 kids. And I'd imagine 20, 30% of the parents of those children mm. are looking for a home in the area. Okay, mm. um, because they're going to stay there for a while. So we've got two children, ten parents per class, mm. but there's seven classes in the in the school, seven school years in in yeah. in the school, and there's probably thirty schools in the area. Mm. Um, so we're talking about in this little pocket something like I don't know what's the number five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred people mm. looking for a house in oh. this catchment area. And I know that story's repeated up and down the country in, in places where there's, there's schools, right, and there's children. So in that example, the parent wants to buy a house mm. um, and they're not buying it for fiscal reasons, mm. i.e. I'm going to make buy this property and make money. They're buying it for purely emotional reasons. Yeah. It's the place where the family are going to live for a long time, yeah. the children are going to go to school, they're going to grow up. So that real emotional thing. Um, during that period, um, buying the house is an incredibly stressful period mm. because you've got the competitiveness, mm. you've got the unknown movements of all mm. uh, the transaction, you've got the unknown of whether, whether you'll actually get there, mm. plus you really want to buy the house. Yeah. Um, so in those situations, we help by um, making the process as smooth as possible, mm. um, delivering the plan, yeah. working with all the parties in in the transaction to make sure everyone does their job mm. properly, and delivering the debt yeah. in the most uh, the most correct yeah. and efficient way. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's one of the real life examples of yeah. what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And a highly emotional situation, which you couldn't be better qualified to answer for, having three children yourself. Yes, there's three. There. You're <laughs> three. right. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so I wanted to ask a bit more of a fun question okay. um, for all of the cooler people around. What's the coolest asset that we've ever lent against, in your view? Um, well, it, we've, we've arranged finance against some incredible properties around the world. So kind of uh, incredible villas in the south of France, mm. Barbados and St. Bart's, the ski chalets in Gestad and, yeah. and so on, and some of the, 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 the most striking trophy homes in London. So I think that's quite cool. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've also, what else can we go through? We've done um, sports cars, so Rolls Royces and Ferraris and Hurricanes and all those mm. type of things. Yeah. Um, it's less usual and there's got to be a specific reason mm. for borrowing against a sports car, so that happens. Uh, during the pandemic, um, we had lots of people um, emerge that needed liquidity and mm. had assets. Yeah. Um, so their business might have um, reduced in its output. They wanted mm. to preserve cash. So they used all sorts of different yeah. assets to raise money. We were asked to, 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 to do a loan against a unbelievable collection of Patek watches and Rolexes and right. so on, which was kind of running up to 10 million pounds. The guy was super wealthy. Mm. Um, had incredible businesses, lots of property around the world, mm. um, but just needed cash. So we decided that the watches were the things to use. Yeah. Um, instead of um, going through the refinance and his 
you know, business performance had tailed off as a result of yeah. the pandemic. Um, and raising money against those assets, mm. which are exploding in value, yeah, is better than selling yeah. them to raise the money. Yeah. Uh, we also arranged some finance, which ended up not being used against some cognac, mm. um, which was um, uncovered in a family basement, and they yeah. wanted yeah. to raise some money against this hoard of very, very, very rare cognac to build a business. So that was quite fun. Um, and then, of course, like boats and planes. Yeah, and all the usual all jazz. Yeah. yeah, for us anyway. Well, exactly. Um, well, I think, you know, that showcases how NS, we're much more creative when it comes to financial situations and solutions for our clients, mm. which, you know, a lot of these people, as you know, and I know, seeing them on a daily basis, uh, you know, they're creative individuals themselves, uh, which brings us on to actually... Well, I, I think that's the point and mm. exactly the point of what we're trying to do. Um, that individual who you're talking about, yeah. the business owner, the entrepreneur, the mm. kind of uh, high-profile, prominent individual. Yeah. Um, gone are the days that those individuals just live in one country and have mm. one asset and they live in it. Businesses are all over the world. Yeah. Properties are all over the world. They might be resident here, domiciled here, yeah. uh, tax resident here. Yeah. So that complexity mm. um, and we're able to look at all of those assets mm across international boundaries yeah. and borders yeah. and come up with the solutions there. So that's exactly Absolutely. That. And I think that brings me really nicely on to another element that makes us unusual at Ennis. Um, you know, most debt specialists... Unique. Unique. Not are, unusual. ...are quite transactional. Yep. Um, however, we place a heavy emphasis on relationships. Obviously, that's a part of the company I'm heavily involved in. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the customer touch points that we have, I think, are very different to a yep. normal debt specialist. It's a good point. So, um, historically, you know, when we started out Ennis, um, people would... I mean, it's still quite normal now. People go to their bank to get a mortgage. That's what everyone does. Yeah. Um, so, I want to borrow some money. I call my bank. Mm. Hey, hey, bank, can I borrow yeah. some money? Yeah. Um, and the bank says one of two things, either yes, mm. here's some money, or no, you yeah. can't have any money. Um, and it's quite interesting just to follow those, those two branches. If the bank says yes, um, that means that the bank's prepared to support you. Mm. Um, we work with 500 banks plus, 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 all over the world. And I've already said we look at, we look at everything in addition to the mortgage on the home, so yeah, all of these of different ways. So the bank said yes, that means you're good credit, you're, mm. you're, you're, um, you're a good candidate for credit, yeah. but how do you know that that bank, mm. that solution, is the best one for you? Exactly. Um, and um, how do you know that that approach of taking the mortgage yeah. against the property is the right one? Yeah. So, um, so when we started Ennis, um, people would go to their bank, bank would say yes, they take the mortgage, cool, um, or the bank says no. Mm. And if the bank says no, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, and the reasons are usually um, really subjective or just you've asked a question of a bank that isn't able to do that thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't have the mortgage. Mm. So um, we, were, we used to be in a position of that solving the problem. Yeah. Um, Isla, my bank said no because I'm self-employed, because I'm from overseas, because I don't show an income, because yeah. of this, because of that. Can you help me? Um, so our historical position was helping people that have been turned down by their banks, yeah. so a second line. Yeah. Um, that's now, do you know, where the company's 15 years old and we've gone through so many revolutions mm. of those customers um, that they come to us with a problem, we solve the yeah. problem and we set them yeah. on the way. And then the next time they just come back to us because yeah. we make it easy. We, yeah. we cut out all the nonsense. 
Um, we don't insist on endless meetings. No. We do the paperwork yeah. when it's meant to be done, not at the beginning. Mm. Um, and we actually advise the customer of the best way forward. Um, and most crucially at the moment in this competitive marketplace, mm. we execute the mortgage. So what I mean by that is um, it's easy to find a mortgage and an interest mm. rate. Mm. Um, it's really difficult to get that mortgage delivered. Yeah. Um, moving parts, information, mm. time lags, lots of different people yeah. involved. So one of our biggest contributions is delivering the mortgage yeah and the plan so that yeah. everything else happens yeah. after that. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. What was uh, your question? Well, how we add value with relationships and yeah. touch points, but obviously, you know, getting the deal done, but making sure they know at the end of the phone at every second is something we very much do. So those touch points then, to actually yeah. answer your question, yeah, Alex, yeah. is uh, we, um, we engage in that first transaction. We've got an international team of people that look after the customers yep. and we've got a central function which you're, you're a significant part of that stays in touch with people mm. um, so we call up and we check in and we ask yep. what's going on and we offer um, updates on what's available and we yep. invest our time mm. in getting to know who the customer is yep. so when new bank comes along or new idea comes along mm. we can show that to the customer yeah. or also the customer can just call us or email us or whatsapp or, or all the other things and just say is this possible can i do yeah. this yeah. um and often it's you you can do that this is how we do it or um instead of that classic computer mm. says no thing yeah. it's you can't do that yeah. but Mm. If you do this, or if you bring this in, or you wait for a period of time, or you yeah. add some more security, yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Um, so instead of showing the only thing that's possible, we show mm. all the other options. Yeah, and I think that answers the question really well. I mean, that open dialogue we have with our clients is absolutely key, and I find that on a daily basis. You're trying to make this about you, um, aren't you? <laughs> not <at all. laughs> But um, yeah, going forward on that, especially in relation to COVID, yep. how are you, in your view, seeing the financial landscape change? Um, what happened, so during COVID, we thought that during COVID, it would be a repeat of the financial crisis. Mm. And that's where we started the business. Yeah. So we thought the shutters would come down, the doors would shut, the bolts would go across and, and the banks would stop mm. lending. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of typical expectation in economic periods of economic yeah. crisis, which the pandemic was a period of economic crisis. But the opposite happened this time. Um, banks were... Um, encouraged to lend, capitalised, um, all the governments around the world increased liquidity, which means there's more money in the system, yeah. which means the banks are more capitalised, which means they lend. Um, and the banks do want to lend. It is one of the primary functions of most yeah. of the banks. Um, it's more difficult, um, or this market in particular, not really a pandemic reason, but the lending market is so mm. unbelievably fragmented. Yeah. Um, how many banks does the average person know? Do you know the ones that yeah, exist on the high absolutely. street and maybe some big name ones that seem kind of inaccessible, mm. but there's an unbelievable number yeah. of, of credit options. Yeah, so absolutely. the mortgage market and your retail mortgage, um, let's say there's 120 banks, mm. the high street, the main quillers, clearers, the challenger banks, the specialist lenders, the non-bank lenders and so on. Mm. Um, securities finance, 50 lenders, 50, 60 lenders. Yeah. Bridging finance, I don't know, 200, 300, because mm. there's no barriers to yeah. entry. The international lenders, mm. 
So um, those banks that only exist in Switzerland or Luxembourg or Sweden yeah. or Norway or South America that we access mm. into as well. Um, and then all of the private funds and the hedge funds and the private equity providers. So yeah, sure. um, I, I guess that's not specifically pandemic driven, but driven of the functions of the lending landscape in yeah. that it's just been this explosion. So yeah, how can a customer find the right I'm not answering your question. Yeah. But I'm well, just... I mean, I, let me narrow it down for you and I'd be Thanks. more specific to us, I think, and yeah. especially what you do. Um, in the ultra high net worth, high net worth landscape, what sort of wealth and debt trends have you been seeing? Um, I think there's a movement towards borrowing money as a thing. There was an, there's a, a great story in Forbes this morning, which is, I think Forbes wrote it as this, <gasps> did you know this is happening story? But this is an example thing, which is borrowing against securities, yeah. okay? So their story is that um, of the Fortune 500 companies, mm -hmm. the Fortune 400, um, all of those big, big names like yeah. Gates and Tusk and mm -hmm. uh, Bezos and, and everyone else, um, the FT, the, the Forbes wrote this surprising story that those guys are using their ownership in those companies to raise money. Um, so this is securities back lending. Yeah, of course. Um, this has been going on forever. Um, and I think Forbes presented it in a, um, this, is, this isn't fair way, mm. i.e. they're borrowing money against their stocks instead of selling stocks, which yeah. means they're saving on capital gains yeah. tax. But using your assets to raise liquidity mm. is a thing. And that's that's just a, I think that's a trend of the last yeah. five or six years. Mm. Raising money, creating liquidity, using yeah. that to invest in things Absolutely. is the trend. And that's Absolutely. what we're seeing across the board. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, to pivot slightly and bring this a bit more NS-centric, uh, we've obviously got two new people out in Switzerland. Yep. Uh, we're really getting into that market. Could you enlarge on that a bit? Yeah, so we, we love Switzerland. Um, I think if my wife would let me, I'd move to Switzerland or move <laughs> us to Switzerland with them. <laughs> I think more to the point, but we're, we're quite happy here and that's not, that's not happening anytime soon. But Switzerland is the private client centre of the yeah. world. Um, it's got um, the private banks, the wealth managers, the family yeah. offices and all this infrastructure. And it's one of the powerhouses of global wealth. Yeah. Um, so we've been active in that market for a long time. Um, we interact with the global private banks and, and all of those guys, mm. and they send us customers um, very regularly. And we just wanted to be a bigger part of mm. that environment. So yeah. we have our office in Geneva. Um, we've got our office in Zurich. Mm. Hugh and Enzo are, th are there all the time. Yeah. It's a really important place for us. Yeah. Um, the it, It's just another example of how relevant our service is. Mm. Um, many of the private banks lend. Yeah but many of the private banks don't actually lend. And yeah. if they do lend, they lend in a very narrow way. So only against this property or only in this country, only yeah. against this, this kind yeah. of thing. Um, we offer an enlarging service, a, mm. a, an actual B2B service to those banks, yeah. where the banks say to us, look, I've got this customer, um, he's got some assets, he's pretty wealthy, mm. but he wants to do this, mm. um, buy a property or build a property yeah. or, um, buy a jet or refinance his yeah. jet or all of those examples of the things that we do. And we work with the private client community yeah. in Switzerland yeah. to help the bankers and the trustees and everything mm. else um, mm. solve those problems for their customers. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, not just Switzerland, yeah, yeah. Jersey and Guernsey and Monaco and yeah. in the Middle East. That's yeah. one of the services yeah. that we... I mean, we really are solution specialists in, yeah. in the greatest sense of the word. I think, I think the question that we hear a couple of times a day and from 
the, the biggest trust companies and mm. banks, hey, I've got a client, can he do this? Can, yeah. can you help him do this? Yeah. Is this possible? So we had a call this morning um, and it was a WhatsApp voice note from a banker. Yeah. Um, and he said, hey, I've got a customer. He's got a big house in France. Yeah. He wants to raise some money against that property yeah. to refurbish it. Mm. He's pretty wealthy. He's got lots of stuff yeah. going on. Can you do that? Mm. Um, and that's no one knows if it's even possible, no. let alone how to do it. And yeah. that's that's the service. That yeah, I think one of the really exciting things working at NS is there's always a lot of never have been done befores. Oh yeah. Uh, and <laughs> our approach is always like, well. Has it? Well, yeah. let's have a look at it. So. Yeah, that's right. That's a good, um, but, that's a good uh, observation. But yeah. Well, coming through a really difficult time for a lot of people, mm. um, I wanted to have a bit of light moment with you. And what what is uh, your personal and professional highlights over this period? I think the way that Ennis grew up during the pandemic, I think that's one of the, the, the key kind of takeaways. So yeah. we, Hugh and I, were taught how to, uh, how to be a... a, a, a a professional person yeah. in the early 2000s. Mm. And what every company did in the early 2000s was mm. put on a suit and tie, like yeah. yourself. A bit like them. Get into the office yeah. at 8.30 in the morning yeah. and work all the way through until yeah. eight or nine yeah. and then go home. Yeah. Um, and then have a shower, eat some junk food, mm. watch Sky TV or something to <laughs> and then come back round again. So um, we carried that all the way through. And I think lots of companies did in yeah. that the, the way that work was done was in the office. Mm, mm. Um, the pandemic obviously stopped everyone going to the office. Yeah. Um, we started by um, kind of trying to maintain that office control electronically, mm. which was impossible. Mm. Um, but everyone in the company responded to the new way of working, the new yeah. techno technological advantages, the freedom, um, mm. the responsibility of being yeah. in, in charge of their own days. Mm. And the whole company um, developed unbelievably mm. during that period yeah. in that Hugh and I and the senior team had to spend less time monitoring, mm. um, that people, um, people's output and people's care increased. Mm. Um, and even the collaboration increased mm. through, you know, we've got obviously in all these places, yeah. communicating with each other electronically. Yeah. Yeah. So my... Um, personal kind of positive of this period is how the company grew up yeah. and how everyone now is responsible, organized, mm. in their lane, doing their thing. And yeah. the company is just exploding as a result. Yeah. Now, of course, we have to balance this because um, for youngsters like you, for example, <laughs> um, being in an office yeah. with your colleagues mm. um, creates the environment where you learn and you solve mm. ideas and you yeah. grow your experience. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, we're trying to balance those two things, but that, yeah. that was my main positive. No, absolutely, thing. and also having that buzz of a sales environment and things, which is exactly. why a lot of us get involved yeah. in this. But for me, again, for me, I was, um, yeah. before the pandemic, I'd be in the office at eight-ish, mm. I can't remember exactly, yeah. and then I'd stay there for as long as I could um, because I had to be in the office. That's yeah. that's what I thought yeah. one of the things I had yeah. to do was. Yeah. One of my jobs was being in an office, which was quite, sounds, quite, sounds well. quite daft. Yeah, yeah. But now um, I've got my phone, which rang a minute ago, and yeah. my iPad, and yeah. I just work where I am, yeah. um, which creates a much more fluid way yeah. of working. Yeah. And bearing that in mind then, what are your predictions for the coming year in 2022? For what? Just in general, <laughs> professional, everything. personal. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the market, the 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 
real estate property market mm. obviously is flying. Um, and there's signs that that just might be tapering a little bit at the top. Mm. Yeah. Um, we're going to see um, the governments across the world increase interest rates. That's yeah. a given, right? That's coming yeah. um, as a result of inflation. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be some pain in some quarters as a mm. result. Mm. Um, so perhaps perhaps the shortage of supply of real estate mm. will keep driving prices, yeah. or perhaps inflation and interest rates will dampen that a little mm. bit. So I, I don't think we're going to have the, the same explosive yeah. 2020. Um, I think that's why raising debt now instead of in the future yeah. is important because yeah. it might get harder as a result. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't think we're anywhere near uh, the kind of doomsday scenarios again. I think the no. economy's still got a way to run, mm. but there's going to be some adjustments and those adjustments will cause um, opportunities for mm. some and they'll cause pain for the other. Yeah. Um, so it's about um, being prepared for those type of things. So I think that's what will happen next yeah. year. Fantastic. Um, for us, um, I want three more offices. Probably yeah. shouldn't write this in, oh, kind of have this on video, I guess yeah. it doesn't. But we want something in the Far East um, and we want a business in North America. Those are our kind of yeah. objectives for the next yeah, 12 months. Um, but also growing the business without adding loads more people in mm. um, because mm. we learned that lots of people doesn't make a great business. Having yeah. the best people in the business yeah. makes a great business. Yeah. Fantastic. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Well, that answers all my questions. Does that answer actually. all your questions? Yeah. So if there's anything you'd like to have, please do. What do you do? Well, I'm head of our <laughs> UK desk and high net worth relations team. So uh -huh. we talked about those touch points earlier. And so what I do is deal with those sort of individuals, make sure there's that very human touch, make sure that everything is on board and everything's going as planned and also you know manage a lot of the b2b strategic relationships that we see which is absolutely vital uh, i always say that you know our biggest usp is that you know most lenders are limited to a certain amount of banks and panels and as you touched on we're dealing with over 500 <laughs> which is a staggering yeah, number and it's a very exciting job to have so what do people enjoy. say when you walk into their office uh, and say this is ennis what do we do what what's the kind of response from from the private client office yeah yeah absolutely i think um people are always very shocked as to how much we can do um you know never been done before type scenarios or people saying oh, i didn't know that was possible um and i didn't know that you guys would take that process on board but keep us in the loop and i think really vitally with a lot of people is being such pure intermediary mm -hmm. we don't step on anyone's toes we're not there to take business. We're just there to offer our solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, and our solutions are pretty significant and life-changing as we touched on the emotive side. The two approaches are either, I want to do, I've talked about this quite a lot recently, mm. I want to do something, yeah. um, i.e. I want to buy something or build something or invest in something mm. or create something yeah. I want to do. Yeah. Or, which, you know, the, the financial product in the middle yeah. isn't the thing that they want. Yeah. They, don't, they don't want a mortgage, they no. want to do something. No, exactly. And the mortgage is the product that allows yeah. that to happen, or the finance. Well, I think that's it. And that's personally, I find that so exhilarating is the creative approach that we take. You know, if we take a client that you and I spoke to this week, for example, very well-known uh, public figure worth a significant amount, had a big problem, he knows everyone. Uh, we, I'd run into him at an event uh, recently, we'd had a chat, and the next day he was speaking to you, and suddenly we presented him with three solutions, yep. and his problems have gone away and, and I think he personally was very staggered as how quickly that happened uh, so I think you know for me personally that those are the elements that I think are really exciting 
I agree. Um, and important. Thanks, yeah. Alexander. Well, that actually answers all my questions, Isla. So thank you very much for that. Um, do you have anything you wanted to add? Anything no, I think I think it's the thing. It's um, I want Ennis to be an accessible place where mm. um, high net worth and wealthy and entrepreneurial people think um, I need to borrow some money mm. for this reason. Yeah, I'm going to call Ennis because they're the ones that are going to work in my interest yeah. and solve the problem and then execute yeah. the plan. So that's what we wanted to get across yeah, here. Um, but thanks for taking the time to do this and dressing so wonderful. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Arla. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, Bye. Pleasure.